Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 18 of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders. I'm here with my friend, Les Hughes. Merry Christmas to you, Les. Merry Christmas to you, John. Nice to see you again. 100% COVID-free and yeah. back raring to go. Back in the fight, man. It's good to be right. back. So uh, this episode is releasing, I believe, on uh, see Christmas Eve, if I've got my calendar yep. right. So yeah. what, are, what are you all doing this year that? for Christmas Eve and Christmas? Les, what's your plans? Uh, we have a few family members in. They've sort of come in waves this year and so uh we're actually getting ready we're packing and getting ready to take a trip overseas to see some other family members and so uh that's what we're doing how about y'all love it man we're having kind of a chill relaxed christmas we traveled for thanksgiving picked up covid mm-hmm. and we're going to try not to do that at christmas we're just hanging out at home not the covid thing had nothing to do with our decisions that's but a good plan we always that's used to go plan. back to illinois and you know have a big family thing there and it inevitably we always hit crappy roads coming or going or both and so for mm-hmm. the last few years we've just hung out at mm-hmm. home and just kind of doing our yeah. own family thing. So, well, you know, traveling by plane is such a, such a great time now. It's so much fun. Oh, I love really it. looking forward to that. I yeah. love being treated like and cattle and sheep pushed around. Absolutely. And, love it. and you've got a, you've got a new grandchild to celebrate the season. Yeah, absolutely. With. I got to figure out how to, how to do Christmas as a grandpa now. So I got to go buy a pair of new balance shoes or something. <laughs> hey, go get your fanny pack. Do you have new balance shoes less? I have to ask. You got way I do more not. I'm a Brooks. Me. I'm a Brooks guy. Okay. I've oh, we're Brooks. been a Nike guy up to this point, so we'll we'll see. Hey, go with Brooks. You'll never go back. Now, no paid endorsement here, but, man, those are good running shoes. I've had Nikes too, but I like the Brooks. When you say running, you imply that I actually run. That's hilarious, so I appreciate That's that. A, it, it's a euphemism. Yeah. You, know? I mean, you don't have to run. Well, hey, let's run, let, let's run to the episode uh, that people are tuning in for. They didn't care to hear us talk about our tennis shoes choices. So, right, um, hey, we've got a good one lined up for you this week, gang. We've got a guest on the show by the name of Scott Hobbs, and uh, we'll, we'll introduce him a little more thoroughly when we, uh, when we cut to the interview here because he's a guy that I have wanted to hear from for a very long time as I've heard Dan Miller talk about this pastor who uh, – you know, went into business, you know, doing presentations in corporate settings, using his public speaking and presentation skills, you know, that he honed as a pastor to go be very profitable doing this for other uh, in a corporate setting. And I've heard Dan mention it many times. And through this community, Scott outed himself and said, hey, I'm that guy that Dan Miller talks about. So uh, we have a great conversation with him. Did we not, Les? We did. And, you know, just for anybody that's interested in this area, you can go back and also pick up the interview that we did with Kent Julian. Was that just 17? Was that just a loose yeah, track? I think of it was the last they... episode or two episodes ago mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Okay. Maybe 16, but yeah. just Kent Julian paid to speak is, uh, is his, is his deal. And, um, this is a great subject, John, because of the fact that, you know, most pastors at some point have a, have a platform where they're on stage and, are quite good at it. And that's one of the things that you intuitively m- might think that everyone is, but I promise you they're not. Yeah. And so this is the thing that kind of keeps coming up. And uh, Scott's found a real niche that he's nailed. 
Yeah, and he's got some. There's some twists and turns to the story. We won't share them all with you here. We'll let we'll let him tell his story. But uh, it's a good, great journey. I'm thrilled that he reached out, and uh, it was fun having the interview. I'm uh, grateful to share this with you now. So, without any further ado, let's cut to this interview that Les and I did with Scott Hobbs. Check this out. Well, Scott, welcome to the Entree Pastors Podcast, my friend. It's an honor having you on the show. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad to be here with you today. Yeah, well, I am so excited to unpack your story with our audience here today. Um, I'll, I'll give a little backstory, and then then you can fill in the details. We'll start in just a minute by having you introduce yourself to uh, to our audience. But for years now, I've I've been a listener to Dan Miller's Forty Eight Days to the Work You Love podcast, and uh, a number of times in recent years, I've heard him mention this story about a pastor that he helped transition out of traditional pastoral ministry into uh, doing, you know, presentations for various corporations and and being pretty profitable at that. And I've always been curious, you know, man, I wonder what I'd like to know more about that. And then you kind of outed, not kind of, you totally outed yourself in our uh, Facebook community. You said, I'm the guy that Dan talks about. So I was so excited to reach out to you and and hear that story. So we'll get there, but why don't we start with just an introduction? Uh, where are you at in the world? Tell us about your uh, journey into pastoral ministry. Okay. Well, uh, in my family and I live in Northwest Arkansas, and uh, we have uh, pastored in Texas as well as the Chicago area and returned back to this, you know, our home state a couple of years ago. And, uh, but I've pastored, I pastored overseas for a few years, and then I pastored uh, uh, primarily in the Chicago area. I was up there for 18 years. And uh, so, uh, you know, pretty typical kind of a pastoral ministry, traditional church setting for the most part, uh, except for, you know, we've made quite a few changes and transitions through the years as things have evolved. But, uh, but I've been a pretty traditional, uh, you know, typical go to college, go to seminary and get a church and do full time ministry. I've been doing that for almost 30 years at this point. Yeah. So are you like a Chicago Cubs Bears fan? I like, yeah, yeah, the Cubs were Cubs fans. You know, we adopted them when we were up there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I grew up in central Illinois for a lar- large part of my yeah. life. So I kind of have a soft place in my heart for the, for the old Cubbies too. So, right. Yeah. 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 We, we enjoyed Chicago a lot. Yeah, well, let's let's go into this a little bit more. Then um, again, I know I know Dan's version of the story, and it's basically here's a, a pastor that just kind of got worn out, tired of the the grind of pastoral ministry, and we helped him transition into something different. Um, so tell us about that. Tell us about that journey of of leaving that and going into a new new realm of ministry. Right. Well, we you know, like I said, after quite a few years. Uh, of ministry, we decided it was uh, a time for us to kind of return back home to our home state. We have three boys and our two younger ones in particular, we wanted to get back to our home state, get them connected with grandparents and all that before they got too old and, you know, connected in that part of the world. So that was a part of the impetus of us making the transition back. But uh, the last couple of years of my ministry, I just began thinking uh, in in the Chicago area, began thinking about um, just different opportunities. And uh, and I'd been at the church for like 18 years. We'd seen a lot of good things happen, but it just felt like it was a transition time for us, you know. And I had thought uh, probably 10 years earlier, I had thought about the possibilities of teaching seminars and 
making those kinds of presentations in the secular setting, corporations, and uh, even just uh, even just local things. But I had never really acted on it. And uh, through the influence of Dan Miller, who we all know well uh, and acquainted with, his books primarily and one of his events I attended also kind of got me thinking more aggressively about it. And I started uh, teaching uh, one of his seminars about uh, uh, work uh, transitions. You know, he has a, a more, I forget the title of it right now, but I taught that locally there for a couple of times to kind of dabble in the experience. And then we moved back to Arkansas. Uh, I began looking at it more seriously. And so I unplugged from, from the ministry for, for a time there and uh, kind of reevaluated, thought it through what I was, where I was headed, what was uh, priorities, just kind of took a breather, you know, after those almost 30 years. And uh, that's when I started moving toward the seminars uh, through a company that I've worked for for a year and a half or so now. And, and then slowly I plugged back into ministry and serving as a pastor, uh, interim pastor, which I've uh, been doing for some time now. And then, um, um, and then continuing to develop uh, the, the work of, of teaching seminars. And now I, on top of that, now I now have a, a larger position now where I'm uh, uh, basically executive director for an association of churches, uh, 65 Baptist churches in our area in, in Northwest Arkansas. So I'm doing that in addition. Well, I want to summarize that story, just the bullet points. So you were in traditional pastoral ministry. You stepped out of that, had a season where you're doing these presentations for various corporations, you know, presenting seminars. Then right. you circled back into pastoral ministry, not the senior pastor role or the lead pastor role, but uh, interim. And and then now you're you're over, you know, you have a role with a whole network of churches. So, but at the same wow. time, you're also building out your own business, uh, doing these presentations uh, for corporations, not just um, not just working for someone else. Is that a fair summary, kind of the elevator that, story? That is it, very much so. And and my working with the company, which I continue to do that when they call on me pretty regularly, and I can say yes or no to what they offer me to do. But on top of that, I've started building it locally, you know, what I was doing for them more or less nationally. Uh, I started doing that in my local area now, and that's proven to, that's, that's more lucrative, you know, when you do it on your own, you know, without them uh, taking their cut of the, <laughs> of the, the, the profits or whatever. And so uh, that's another piece of it. Yeah. So Scott, Hey Scott, yes. is that a, is that with a, uh, what we would think of as a speaker's bureau or doing different talks or uh, seminars for different companies, or is it just primarily one company that you're one of the spokespeople for? It's one company that I work for. There are two main companies in the United States that do this, and they're both located in the same town in Kansas City. And, you know, I mean, they do a tremendous number of seminars. As Pre-COVID, I mean, you know, just it's amazing, like a thousand a month or something. They're doing so many of these seminars across the United States. That might be a little exaggerated, but it's a it's a surprisingly high number of seminars that they for teach. different for different companies. Uh, two two different things. One, they prior to COVID, they did uh, public seminars, 
And then also they did it for a specific company. So those two different types. Okay. The public seminars were, uh, they would advertise for businesses, individuals, and they would come. So you'd have a group of anywhere from maybe 20, you know, in larger cities, I'd have up to 90, you know, that would be in one conference room. And they would come from all different companies coming for some, just some training, you know, provide for their the personnel. Right. And that's the public. And then there's the, uh, for the individual companies that enlist the company I work for to to send a trainer to do okay. specific training mm-hmm. for them. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, so here, those are the two veins that they work mm-hmm. in usually. What I'm going to do is I'm going to save part of this conversation for our backstage where we're going to go, we're going to do a deep dive. If you're okay, Scott, into the process. What I want to do here is, is share the high level story is how Dan tells it. Um, and then we'll get into the, the deeper processes backstage. Cause I know this is going to cause some people to lean in, but here's okay. how Dan tells the story on, on a podcast. When I've heard him share it, he'll basically say, right. you've got a pastor that's been in ministry, just tired of the, the grind of ministry, the expectations. Now he's, we, we helped him transition into a place where he's doing presentations for in seminars for these different corporations. And, you know, he's making, you know, two grand at an event, two grand a pop and, and goes and speaks one day and he might get 10 of those in a month. And so then Dan will say, you do the math on that. So again, I'm sitting here going, I can, I'm not good at math, but I can do that math. And and his point is, you know, man, for, for the average pastor hearing that, like what a, what a breath of relief in terms of what, what normal pastoral ministry looks like. So we'll, we'll save that for the later conversation oh, backstage, I know <laughs> about how to get into that, but I want to back up in your story just a minute. One question that comes to my mind, Scott, is you were at that point of thinking about doing something different. Did, did you wrestle with anything internally? Was there any kind of internal or even external voices of guilt or how can you step away from ministry to go do something else? Like it was, or did you have a, a pretty healthy approach to that? Um, I don't I don't think I struggled with it. You know, I had some compelling reasons to make a transition uh, with my family. Uh, so to me, that trumps everything, you know, to do the best I can for my man, my family, minister to them more than anything. You know, that's my first priority. So that was a motivation for me to make a transition back and to unplug. So I really didn't struggle with that. Uh, you know, I had an occasional awkward conversation with somebody when they would say, so you're not pastoring anymore, you know, not ministry more. Yeah, that kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah, yeah, you know, I had to kind of learn how to frame that or and, you know, when I left the church, too, I think they felt, you know, like I don't know what they thought, but, you know, things go through your mind like maybe, you know, they think you're leaving the ministry, you know, all that mm-hmm. that kind of uh, stereotypical kind of thinking. So I, I don't think I I don't think I struggled with guilt. I, you know, I think a couple of things. I was really compelled by the need to do it. And two, you know, I'd been at it for a long time. And, and I, I think I, I just knew I needed to unplug and then see how I would plug back in again later. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And I, and I wanted to tap into that tension, not so much for you, but for others in our audience that are wrestling with that. Because I know I went through that twice. First of all, when I went back into full-time firefighting, in addition to being a pastor, I felt that internal guilt or pressure. And then certainly as I transitioned out of that senior pastor role into a new form of ministry, I really had to 
work through some stuff and have some of those awkward conversations that you mentioned where right. people would say, Oh, you know, do you not love God anymore? Or, you know, is right. everything okay in your life? You're not a pastor. What's going on? So I appreciate yeah. you calling out your family as being a higher priority than, right. than the calling to ministry. Yeah. And it had been a process, you know, leading before that for, you know, a couple of years of kind of making peace with uh, the fact that, you know, ministry is broader than just having a, jo- a job at a church, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and I think Dan Miller's uh, uh, insights uh, along those lines, you know, coming from the background that he comes from uh, kind of caused me, enabled me to think a little bit more broadly about what ministry looks like. Yeah. I want to hey, say you- this, hold on, Les, I want to say this Wait. louder for the people in the back that weren't listening. I just want to repeat that statement ministry is broader than just having a job in a church. Go ahead, Les. Yeah, there you go. Oh, amen. Well, I tell you what, if you would talk about that, I'm, I'm really interested now in this, in this role as in your executive director role, because I know what that consists of as well and right. uh, how you're, you're really speaking into so many of these pastors now and, and the congregations that they shepherd. So uh, it's interesting to me that you, uh, what kind of parameters did you set going in, you know, because I'm sure there are some, uh, because those are pretty hefty roles, but John and I both really encourage um, people to just have these multiple streams of income, especially for a pastor who's gifted normally in so many different areas where they couldn't lead at that capacity, especially for as long three decades as you did. So what, what were some of those parameters that you set uh early on, I guess, in that role. And it, or is that what we would call a full-time role as well, or is, are there different expectations? Uh, well, it's, it's definitely a full-time role. Yeah, I, figured, uh, I figured it was. But it's, um, you know, it, it, at the same time, it's, uh, it has a lot of leeway. It's kind of of my own making, you know, it's just like one of those things that you can make the most out of. And I very much intend to do that. Uh, or, you know, you can, uh, do the minimal, you know, that type of thing. So, uh, but it, it, it's, it's a little bit unique in pastoring because I don't have that. I don't have that late night call or I don't have that every Sunday morning responsibility. So it enables me to have a little more freedom and to open myself up to, uh, you know, um, to possibilities like this. So it's a little less of a demand uh, on a regular basis than pastoring. Uh, so, uh, it, it, I'm, 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 I'm working, I'm dovetailing it slowly, you know, I'm kind of new in the role. So I am trying to fashion it in such a way that I could do this and continue to do this. And, but I don't want to be perceived in the beginning by my pastors as that I'm always out doing something else instead of working for them. So I'm trying to manage that a little bit right now. Sure. But well, um, I appreciate but I, I don't see it as a conflict at all. It, it, I see it as enhancing, sure. you know, and as it evolves, you know, once they come to understand how I function and those things that I have to do, I'll, I'll unveil more of what I'm doing elsewhere too as well, you know, but it's kind of a slow mm-hmm. process right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that, uh, that tension that you're speaking to, because really our content that we're putting out here, Scott, is really in two directions. One, it's that pastor that just needs to be out of pastoral ministry. We want them to have a healthy transition into a new season of ministry beyond the, the local church. And, um, and it's also to the pastor who wants to do both. And so there is that tension when you're doing 
full-time pastoring and then some other entrepreneurial business pursuit. Like you have a foot in both worlds and, and it does create a tension that has to be managed. So I appreciate you just speaking to that. Um, I have a couple more questions going back a little bit in your story, Scott, when, when you transitioned into this new role, um, first of all, I want to talk about how did your pastoral skill set and, and the, the skill set you use for pastoral ministry, how did that prepare you or how well did that transition into being a presenter of soft skills, you know, as you're, as you're working right. with these corporations, yeah. tell me about that. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you, you can't get any more, uh, exact of a connection, you know, between the work that you do as a, as a, as a preacher and teacher, you know, and then the work that I'm doing now. So it's pretty much one of those things that was a pretty smooth transition. I mean, and, and the neat thing about it is that a lot of the, the things that I have taught through the years and preached through the years, now I'm getting to teach them in a secular setting, you know, and, you know, those insights and stories and, you know, it's not explicitly biblical, but it is biblical. Right. And uh, so it very much translates very easily, you know, because that's what my strength is. And so that's what I wanted to stay in. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it, uh, it, it was easy in that regard. Uh, uh, it's, um, um, you know, it has a few differences, little nuances that are different, you know, like sometimes we work out of workbooks and, and, you know, I say, well, turn to page number three. And I tend to say, turn to verse number three <laughs> instead of page number three. So I get caught up in that every once in a while, but, uh, yeah, and a few true. people in the crowd pick up on that and go, Oh, I think I know where this guy's coming from, you know, but, uh, so anyway, uh, it's a very much, uh, uh, an equal, uh, the two roles are very similar. Yeah. Did you ever very accidentally cool. take an offering uh, when you were done with one of those things? <laughs> no, no. But you know, I've had some unique experiences. I, you know, I was, I in, I, and you know, it's people they just they detect something in you. You know, as a pastor when you're there, and even though I'm talking about practical things about getting along with different personality types and so forth and so on, or leadership principles, they just kind of detect that there's a there's some kind of pastoral intent here. And so a lot of times they'll, they'll come up to me afterwards. I've had people come up to me and, you know, and basically ask me to pray for them and, you know, things like that, even though I hadn't mentioned the Lord at all during the presentation. And I love that. I think that's great. Yeah. That just kind of lends itself to the idea that there's sometimes just as much, if not more ministry happening outside the walls of the church in the marketplace sometimes than even inside but one last yeah. question I have for you, Scott, when, when you and I were talking a few weeks ago, you mentioned just kind of this um, relief or kind of refreshing season when you're out of that. And it resonated with me because I'm, I'm right. recently in that place too. And I kind of hesitate. This is, I'll be honest, this has been one of my struggles with my other platform that I do. I to, it's it's to pastors, and I kind of hesitate to talk about how awesome life is outside of pastoral yeah. ministry because my goal isn't right. to get a bunch of pastors right. to quit. But I resonated with what you said about just going into a season of refreshing, like, ah, oh, there's a burden that is lifted, a weight off my shoulders. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, what was that like for you in this season of being in the marketplace, not having all of the weight of a local church on your shoulders? Yeah. Um, well, of course, that was, you know, refreshing to have uh, to come out from under some of the responsibilities, but also 
it's refreshing, you know, just to take what we believe, you know, as Christians and as pastors and uh, put it into practice in the marketplace. And just, that's what refreshes me the most is when I, and, and one part, two parts to it. One is very helpful to people that aren't exposed to some of these ideas because they're not in church, you know, so that's two. And it also is refreshing because they're very, very receptive and not, and not necessarily, you know, like the church world sometimes is very ex- expects a lot out of you, you know, and they expect you to show up. They expect you to do certain things. But what I've encountered there in outside of the church world is, is that just kind of like a appreciation, you know, like, Hey, this is neat. You know, I've never heard this before, you know, thank you. You know, so that, that part of it was very refreshing to me as well. Um, so, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it that's does. Good. It sure does. And that's probably a good place to transition there, Scott, because we do want to dive a little deeper. For those that would like to go deeper, we're going to go into the backstage now in just a few minutes and get a little bit into the weeds. But I'm looking forward to that part of this conversation as well. So, John, I'll turn it back over to you and uh, we can make that transition. Well, yeah. So I, I guess I would just say, Scott, before we sign off, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, you are in our uh, free Facebook community. You're active there. And, wow. and so people can find you there. But if someone wanted to connect with you, what's what's another way or what's the best way for them to reach out? Just do the Facebook. That'd be fine. Okay. That'd be, that'd be the best way to do it. Awesome. Well, Scott, we want to thank you for your time coming on sure. the show and sharing your story. We love we love sharing the stories of entree pastors that are figuring it out, what it looks like to have a foot in both worlds and its ministry no matter where you go. So thanks for your willingness to come on and share that with us, my friend. Sure. You're welcome, and I enjoyed it very much. Well, there you go. Good stuff from Scott Hobbs. Les, I just get so encouraged when I hear stories of pastors that have found a way to build multiple streams of revenue for themselves, their families, and that are thriving in ministry. So I love it. It's one thing just to theorize. It's something else to get it done. Yeah. And these success stories of people that are that are getting it done, I hope and I believe are really encouraging to those that are listening. And they, they should be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm uh, two things I want to talk about, Les, before we sign off here real quick. Um, first of all, I, I just want to go to that pastor that maybe this this might be the first episode they've ever listened to. They feel at like they're at the starting blocks. Maybe they feel overwhelmed and want to know, man, where do you even begin? Les and I want you to know we have a resource for you on our website. If you go to entrepastorscom slash start, right? That's the, I'm saying yeah. that right, Les. We have yeah. a free gift for you. It's a, a little guide, getting started guide, where we kind of walk you through some very basic steps to just take an inventory of where you're at. And then uh, to to, we've got some ideas, I think over 50 ideas of just different paths that you can look at for what what could be some potential streams of revenue. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, man, that the opportunities are endless, but that's a good little guide to get you started. So if, if you're at that place in your journey, man, jump on to entrepastor.com slash start and get your free getting started guide. And then we also want to uh, talk about our live event that's coming up here in the new year as we are getting ready to roll into January. Les, tell us a little bit about that. It is going to be the second Entree Pastor live event, and this one's primarily going going to be virtual. Mm -hmm. So we understand that we're coming out of the holidays. A lot of people have had expenses, you know, going out and maybe a few bills coming in. It's also a little bit tougher to 
you know, travel right now. So we want to make this available to everyone. We're still going to be, be live in, in person at the place that we're going to be presenting this. We're going to have some of our mastermind members there to take part in some discussion and Q and a, we've still got some great speakers. Yep. Um, yep. some that are familiar, some that won't, that'll be new faces, but they are really incredible people. And it's going to be different than our first one. The first event was, a, I believe it was a huge success. We yeah. got great feedback. This one is going to be, I think, even better, John. Yeah, I'm excited about it, Les, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna really experiment with just the virtual ticket. But from a pricing standpoint, I want to put it out there that for those in our membership community, we're offering it right now at ninety seven dollars for the event. If you're not in the membership, it's uh, I think one ninety seven for the ticket. But if you just go to entrepastors.com, uh, it's right there. the The link to the live event is right there on the home page. And you can jump in and get signed up and get registered for that. Unless I did want to mention or just kind of follow up on what you said about those in our mastermind are invited to come. There, there's no charge for them. And we're actually inviting them to join us in person, in studio as we're broadcasting this. And uh, they'll get not only the opportunity to interact with us during the event, but then we're going to hang out on the beach and have some go. of that fun downtime together where we just uh, go deeper. And that's really what the value of the mastermind is. It's all of this stuff we talk about, but it's deeper. It's more focused on the individuals that are a part of it. We can go deeper because we spend more time together. So I'm just saying that if uh, if you've been on the fence about the mastermind, man, what a great time to jump in. And uh, if you're Absolutely. interested, reach out. We'll, we'll tell you how, that, uh, how all that works and how you can uh, be a part of that. And then I'll invite you to come and join us in Florida in January. It's January 18th is the date for the event. So we're excited you know, about it. One thing about that virtual ticket, though, that, that's pretty cool, John, is that uh, even though you may have other plans on the 18th or you're really not sure about your availability, you're going to that that ticket gets you lifetime recordings yep. as well. So you'll have that information uh, to access at your convenience. Absolutely. Exciting stuff going on, guys. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you. God bless you and your family. And if there's anything that Les and I can do to serve you on your entree pastor journey, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. My email is john, J-O-N, at entrepastor.com. And Les is Les, L-E-S, at entrepastors.com. So reach out. We'll serve you any way that we can. God bless. Merry Christmas, y'all.